Good evening, my friends. How you doing? What's going on? Six twenty. It's the seventeenth of January, two thousand nineteen. Been a pretty good day. I had my anatomy class this morning. It went well. Got a bunch of shit done at the office. Had several patients this evening. Just my kind of catch-up day Thursday. <clears throat> Tell you guys a, a cool story. You know, I, I know I've been doing a lot, sort of a daily diary thing, and trying to spin off my life. You know, spin a story off my life or talk about the occurrences as I happen upon them. Um, I've got a lot of stories from over the years. A lot of good stories from a very intense period of my life as a young man in the Marine Corps. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, shipboard life. How's that? <clears throat> Time period in the, I guess, 94, 95, when I lived aboard a naval vessel called the USS Ponce. So Marines, the way it works is we do deployments every so often. We'll train up for a deployment, just like, you know, there's any sort of, I don't know, whatever your job is, whatever you're there, you got to you train for it. And then you go off and you do the job and you uh, fulfill the mission or the sales or whatever. <clears throat> we would do the same thing. Being a Marine was the same deal. When you get out to the fleet Marine force, you're actually doing your job of being a hunter killer, freaking ground pounder. You train. You go out to the field and you train. You train in the jungle environment. You train in an urban environment. Uh, you go out to this place called Combat Town, which is like a simulated city that you plan attacks on and do house-to-house shit. And then you uh, maybe you go to, you know, this is what will happen in North Carolina for me. Maybe you, you get on a plane. You fly out to 29 Palms, California. You do desert warfare training. And you maybe go to Virginia, Fort A.P. Hill. You do some an operation in there where basically the entire battalion has to go. That's a thousand Marines and attachments, and you <clears throat> bus up there with all your gear. And you do at that point, you're it's like an evaluation. It's like a big combat uh, war games scenario. So you have your your helicopters will be there. Your friggin', we were. I was an Amtracker, so like an amphibious tank. I would ride in the back. A dozen of us would ride in the back of that, and the tailgate drops down. Everybody runs out and starts shooting things. <clears throat> Various missions. So you perform all these missions, and you get. You have what are called coyotes or uh, evaluators follow you all around, and they. They study all the leaders, all the officers, and how they're organizing their men, and how they conduct operations, and they might show up if you're attacking, uh, you know, the town, in that combat town, let's say, if they see somebody doing, or an entire unit, or a group of individuals, or even an in, one Marine doing something dumb, or not taking cover behind a tree, or a rock, or not doing something to code then they'll kill you off, and then you'll, they'll take you out of the combat, uh, the war game, if you will. And so, 
that's how we function. You know, you do all this training day to day. You clean your your weapons. You uh, you zero in your weapons. Get them so that they you can hit what you're shooting at. You do physical fitness all the time. You go out to to the field and you train all in preparation for these deployments. And in peacetime, you know that's that's basically it. If you don't have if you're deploying in peacetime, which we haven't seen in more than a decade in the United States, because we're always out there fucking around some way, Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria or whatever the fuck we're doing. Well, then you're obviously you're in a combat zone. But if you deploy in peacetime, you're going to float around the Mediterranean or you're going to spend six months in Okinawa and you just train. You just train for the contingency of combat. So the first deployment that I went on was in 1994 and we went on the USS Ponce. It was an amphibious ship. So take that to mean that it was a kind of like a small cruise ship size and it was just filled with Marines. So there was an an entire battalion, a thousand Marines, or close to that, aboard this ship. And then we had what was called a well deck, so the entire butt of the ship, um, it, it was sunken down so that it was like level with the, at sea level, whereas the rest of the ship obviously was above sea level. And that well deck was humongous. I mean, it was like the size of a, I don't know, size like a, foot, a football field or something like that, or a half a football field. And they would take these uh, Amtraks, these amphibious tanks, and they would that's where they lived. So when it was time, we'd be out on a mission. We'd, so we'd pull up to the coast of whatever country. The well deck would flood with water, and you'd, you'd see the water all churning in there, and all these um, amphibious tanks, they would start... You know, they would start to come up to the water line, and then eventually the tailgate would open, and this big steel door would fold down in the back, at which time um, these Amtraks would turn around and friggin' maneuver, and they would jump off the back of the ship. You're at that point in time, when the tailgate opens, the sea comes rushing in up to a certain level and these amphibious tanks can splash quote unquote off the back so that's what we did now that was our mission we were at, we were part of the company that was our mission was to jump in these amphibious tanks and splash into the water and then travel to the shore maybe maybe it would be a mile or two off the shore maximum and then you just drive right up onto the beach that's what we did so, for six months, we get on this ship, and we just, you know, in the, we eat, and we shit, and we sleep, and we would get our exercise up on the flight deck, which is a small flight deck. We would all congregate up there and box, or we would do self-defense, or uh, we would sometimes shoot our weapons off the back of the ship, We're talking about hundreds of guys. Uh, we would do calisthenics. You could look at the... You'd be on top of that that flight deck and you'd see the waves, man. It's incredible to see. I mean, it's really... 
uh, like a bucket list item to be on a huge ship like that out on the open ocean because you realize how small you are. So there we were, <clears throat> floating upon the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. We went up, sailed out of a place called Moorhead City, North Carolina, loaded all of our gear onto the ship. We had a very strict packing list, and <clears throat> we stowed all of our gear in what was called, uh, well, basically the belly of the ship cargo area. We put all our sea bags there, locked up and tat and uh, um, clearly marked. So second platoon, put your all of your you know thirty or forty sea bags here. And if you need any of your gear, as we're going to get off and, and do some training, then you would we would then go into the well deck and grab the uh, or combat cargo area they call it and grab our gear and put whatever it was, sleeping bags, cold weather gear. So we'd stow all our extra gear in what was called combat cargo. The rest of it we would put in our little lockers, very like a half a locker, in a place called the birthing. And the birthing is where the Marines lived and sailors. So our, we're talking about a tiny fucking area, like the size of your living room, maybe, square footage. And you got 30 guys living down there like sardines in a can. We have these tiny little lockers, and we've got, um, you know, a little tile floor and a stairwell that leads down into the birthing. And at the top of the stairwell, there's a hatch. And that hatch closes and it seals watertight, and then there's just a little. Um, circular hole just to, enough for a man to climb in and out and if need be we would take that, that hatch and close it up and seal that freaking circular hatch with a you imagine it looks like a steering wheel you turn it clockwise or whatever and it locks it so that no water can get in so imagine if the ship went down torpedoed or whatever you could lock that compartment and maybe stay alive divers would go and try to rescue it Maybe, freaking maybe, right? Who knows? So we're on this ship. We're floating around the Atlantic. We got our little birthing. We're living in there like sardines in a freaking can. We're cursing and swearing and getting on each other's nerves until you just couldn't get on each other's nerves anymore. You just adapt. You know, it's one thing about human beings. We talk about stress and how, you know, whatever. We get full. We get tired of people. I'm always complaining about that shit. Man. I lived in a friggin' sardine can with a bunch of dickheads from all over the country. Blacks, whites, Puerto Ricans, uh, fat, skinny, short. Nobody was fat. Who am I kidding? Most people weren't fat. You can't be in overweight and be in the Marine Corps. We're all young and tough and all that shit. So, um, but just, I'm saying a melting pot of individuals. And you're living in this tiny little space. The beds were stacked three or four high. So they were these aluminum frames with a canvas strung, uh, strung around and held together by ropes weaved in and out to hold this piece of little canvas thing, kind of like a trampoline or something. And it was rectangular. And they were stacked three or four high. And you had to climb, if you were on the top rack, you had to climb all the way on the top. And, um, and the to get into bed, and you got to take a leak, 
you have to climb down and probably step on your buddy. And you learned how not to do this. Step on your buddy. Sometimes you did it just to spite him. So we sailed from Moorhead City. And we get out in the open ocean. Pretty soon there's no land to be seen. It takes, it took, uh, I think a week. It might have taken two weeks to cross the Atlantic as we're doing some maneuvers and the Navy is doing their ship, you know, their, their ship maneuvers and man overboard drills and firing rounds out into the, um, they're testing all their equipment too, you know, their, their mechanisms of, of warfare. And they were really just our transportation to get, you know, to the battlefield, the amphibious battlefield. We were an amphibious unit. So, it was very interesting and a very tough time and a very exciting time and I'm glad I did it. Times wouldn't really, really suck. Mail would come, you know. What would we do, what would we do on these ships? We'd sit around a spades table and play cards. And if you didn't like to play cards, maybe you'd go and work out in a tiny little gym. Or you'd walk around and explore the ship and that got old after a while. Maybe you'd write a letter or listen to music on your Walkman, which were popular back then, and CDs. We were getting, we'd get CDs, load up on them from that, uh, I don't know, penny CD thing, whatever catalog that was where you could order all of the CDs for like one penny. You get all the things, you know, every CD you ever wanted, and then you never, you'd never pay for them. I forget what that was, but it was kind of a scam. I knew people probably myself included, who owed all kinds of money. Anyway, get your friggin' music on, beat each other up every now and then. We'd have fights. One time we had a big brawl in the birthing, and I actually was on, I was holding on to the racks to my left and right in this little aisle, this narrow passageway between uh, the racks or the beds that we lived on, and I was holding on to the upper rack with my hands and jumping up and down on the guy that was on the floor. What else? The chow hall was interesting. You go up to the chow hall, get your meals, and the food is okay. I mean, it's it's not good. It's it's you got to feed hundreds of guys. So the chow hall, but you know, you get up and there would be green and blue. So the the blue navy guys would line up on one side, and then the marines would be on the other side. And of course, we we hated one another. There was always resentment between green and blue. Um, we thought we were badasses, and they thought that, you know, you know, they, whatever. I don't know what the fuck they thought. But we, we managed to get along. We'd stand in those two lines, and we'd slowly shuffle and shoot the shit towards the chow line, and you'd get your rations, and you'd, you'd uh, sit down at a tiny little lunchroom table. And the smell was interesting. It was the smell of food, the smell of uh, cleaning products. Because they, you know, they were always, everything's got to be clean and sanitary in the military. And so the Navy did take great pride in doing that, making sure everybody, everything was clean. So Clorox, cleaning products, pine saw, mashed potatoes, composite turkey. Uh, stovetop stuffing there's a little ice cream thing even you can go get your little milk white or chocolate milk from the uh, 
ooh, I go for a chocolate milk right now. I think I'm going to have some tonight. Um, sort of like the container, the, the dispenser where you, you're going to stack the bag in there and it's pulled a little hose through and cut off the end. And that's how the, the milk comes out. Um, so you got the chow hall. It was interesting. And if got if the waves became significant out there, they'd call general quarters, which meant that all Marines basically need to go in their birthing and get out of the fucking way because otherwise we're you know we're going to fall down the hallway or you know by while playing cards or whatever. And it was just it was miserable if you didn't um, you pretty much had to take refuge in your birthing and just lay down because it was rock, ship was rocking so significantly, um, but when you still had to eat, so you go up to the chow hall, and you had no shit, you had to, when it was rocking, you had to hold on to your, your milk glass, your beverage container, and simultaneously hold on to the table, your, so your tray and your beverage didn't fall off the damn, uh, the table and go everywhere, and sometimes the table's they weren't even all uh, bolted down. If it was rocking significantly enough, it would the t- entire tables would would move. You ever see that video where the uh, it's on a cruise ship and somehow they wind up in a storm and fucking everything is going every which way? Wine bottles, tables, chairs. And you can see the, the you know the staff trying to you know hold things together. What a miserable time that must have been. Um, so, most things were nailed down and, and uh, idiot-proofed and wave-proofed, but, you know, you had to eat, so you go up there and you try to um, choke something down. So, it was interesting living on ship. We had a tiny little bathroom that always smelled like a freaking gigantic turd, because everything was just, you know, everything was just fucking so small. You, you had to operate and live in these very small areas. So the bathroom, too, was small with several sinks on two sides of the bathroom and a couple showers and um, everybody go in there. Just had a little friggin' nasty shower curtain that everybody had rubbed their body against as they walked in. We would get mildewy and we'd have to clean the, the head or the, or the restroom every, you know, every day or every other day or really good, so you're cleaning up all this fucking nastiness with mops and cleaning products, and um, it actually felt good to get it clean, because it would always be such a, like a fart, um, guys, you know, you'd be, you had to freaking crank down somewhere, you're young, dumb, and full of cum, so you had to, um, rub one off, you go in the shower and jack off in the friggin' shower. This is what you had to friggin' do, man. So imagine cleaning the shower mats. <laughs> had to do it. It was... Conditions were rough, man. It was a very interesting thing. Everybody had a little toiletries bag that they would use, carry into the shower that had your soap and your toothbrush and all your stuff in it. Your little kit. And that's what, um, you carry that everywhere. So that was what life was like on ship. We pulled into many different ports, I think 15 or 16 countries, uh, we went to. And it was very, very interesting. We, it was peacetime, like I said, so we would typically stop 
and do some training, go out there and do maneuvers in France or Israel or Greece, and sometimes we would just do it on the, on the coastline, and other times we would go inland and do some cool training, and, and we would always get some time off, so a day or two, or usually a day or two. Okay, you can got to be in by midnight to head out. And we would just tear up the fucking town, man. We would just get hammered and look for trouble, look for women, um, look for the bar. And it was pretty incredible. So I've already told some stories about the experiences out there, fights and getting choked out and uh, people wrecking magazine stands and all this shit. But it was wonderful to get out there and experience some of these different cultures. It's something that most people will never do. Um, I, I do regret a little bit that some of the things I never got to do to visit some of these places really on my own terms because we always had a, it's not like you're going on a, on a pleasure cruise, you know. But most of the places that we went, the people really loved us. Uh, they certainly loved our money. That we have been floating around on a vessel for six months. Um, and had saved up a bunch of money. So we were willing to, to spend it <laughs> on various things. And so they enjoyed that. And kind of were parasitic off of us and, and us on them. And saw some cool places. I've been to Rome, been to Israel, been to a diamond uh, polishing place in, in Israel. Uh, been to Greece, uh, Russia, former Russia, Ukraine, Yugoslavia. We had a guy get shot in Yugoslavia because he was trying to fool around with the local chicks. I had a, my buddy uh, Char was getting a blowjob in Greece, and he uh, he farted in the prostitute's face. He likes to tell that story. There's these things called smashed sandwiches, which were like you take a kind of like a panini. You would take a, a meat and cheese and bread and smash it in, uh, really press it tightly, in like a waffle iron or so. This is kind of like not a waffle, but like it's like a ridged iron, and um, it would come out as this grilled cheese sandwich, really freaking thin and pressed together. It was delicious. Went to Rome, went to the Sistine Chapel. Saw some really cool things on that cruise. Stood out there and watched the blue water and sea turtles float by, you know, hundreds of, a hundred feet below. Floating around on that ocean, just seeing maybe the other ships in our uh, MU, Marine Expeditionary Unit, the other sh naval vessels that were out there. Maybe you'd see them on the horizon somewhere. But other than that, it was nothing. Maybe you see a a, uh, the occasional cargo ship, but there were times when we were out there on the Atlantic crossing it and in the Black Sea where there just was nothing. And we were just badasses floating around looking for trouble, really, patrolling the, uh, the world, being the world's policeman, just living on this boat, getting ready to kick ass and take names. It was a really cool, really cool time. Um, it was a great experience. I'm glad I had it. You know, I'll think of some other things that happened on that ship and uh, and tell you those stories at a later date.